Welcome to America's Top Rebbitzins. May this class be for Rafu Shalema, for Eliezer Raphael Leib Ben Emuna, and also for Haya Bat Esther and Avraham Ben Haya Udel. Please click on the subscribe button to subscribe to us on the America's Top Rebbitzins YouTube page, or click follow to follow us on your podcasting app so that you are the first to know when an inspiring new episode is posted. I am very happy to have on today's show Rebetzin Bryony Stiefel. Rebetzin Bryony and her husband, Rabbi Levi Stiefel, are the Chabad Lubavitch emissaries serving the Jewish community in Voronezh, Russia. Thank you so much for being here. Please tell us more about yourself and what you do. My name is Bryony. I'm on Shluchas in Voronezh, Russia for almost 16 years. And together with our eight children, we love working with the Jews in our city and trying to make Jewish life as vibrant and beautiful as possible and really, you know, really enjoying watching people that had absolutely no idea that they were Jewish sometimes or any idea of what being Jewish means, really strengthening and um, gaining a Jewish identity, which is very inspiring to watch and be a part of that is so beautiful are there a lot of jews in varnish there is probably at least five thousand, but we are finding we find more every day as people learn more about their roots or understand that if their mother was jewish that means they were jewish so the number is always growing that's beautiful. I love that. I love that. Thank you. Um, so today we're going to be talking about Yom Kippur because Yom Kippur is coming up very, very soon. And so traditionally, Yom Kippur is known as the Day of Atonement. and It's considered to be the most important Jewish holiday on the calendar. It's a day of fasting when Jews do not eat or drink. And it's also a day that we ask God and others for forgiveness of our sins that are both intentional and unintentional. So in other words, we could have done something wrong against God or against other people, knowing full well what we're doing. You know, in other words, we hurt other people or God intentionally. We go against his will intentionally. And also just the opposite. We could have done things wrong against God or hurt others without us even knowing that we did anything wrong. So in Yom Kippur, we ask forgiveness for both types of transgressions. But Yom Kippur is really so much more than a day when you just say, I'm sorry. It's way, way deeper than that. And today we're going to try to understand the deeper meaning behind Yom Kippur and why it's significant to each and every one of us. So let's begin. Can you please tell us what Yom Kippur is really all about and how it relates to each and every one of us personally? Okay, so I can tell you what Yom Kippur means to me. And I know that we're all really, really busy. Life just keeps us running in circles and we feel like we can never keep up. And Yom Kippur is traditionally a day that people think of as a fast day. That's a very big thing that comes to mind when you think of Yom Kippur. And you also think of praying for a long time, going to shul, sitting there for a long time, waiting for it to finish. And, you know, there's other things that might come to mind, like wearing white or being blessed before the holiday or eating a lot before and after. But those are kind of like the the things that we associate with Yom Kippur for anybody that's ever experienced the Yom Kippur. And me coming to Russia where Yom Kippur is not traditionally a day that people, that Jews really know about. Whereas, you know, growing up in Australia, the shuls were full on Yom Kippur. It didn't matter if you went to shul the rest of the year 
or if you're going to keep any other holiday, there was always like this um, this concept that Yom Kippur is a day you try to come to shul, or you try to fast, or you try to do something. And in when I came to Russia, it was the first time where I didn't have this feeling of old Jews being pulled to shul or pulled towards Yom Kippur for some unexplainable reason. And in a way, that gave me a greater appreciation for Yom Kippur. Because on the one hand, it was, on the one hand, it was kind of sad to, to see that people didn't know what Yom Kippur was. But on the other hand, when I saw people come to Shul for the first time on Yom Kippur and really struggle with prayers, because that's something that's not only foreign to them because it's in a foreign language, but it's also foreign to them because the idea of praying is foreign. The idea of praying to a God um, is very difficult for a lot of people and foreign. And I saw people kind of struggling with it and trying hard to, to do it and trying to understand what is this Yom Kippur thing all about. It's easier to understand a holiday where you dance or a holiday where you dress up or a holiday where there's really good food. And Yom Kippur was kind of harder to understand. So it kind of made me really appreciate and think about what Yom Kippur really means and think about it on a personal level. Um, so we know that Yom Kippur is considered the Day of Atonement, or in Hebrew, it's Teshuvah, the day that we come closer to Hashem. So it's a kind of a day that highlights our connection to Hashem. We kind of throw away all the trappings of physical mundane life, all our routines, and we focus on just our connection to Hashem. It's like a personal date with Him, I guess. And, um, you know, it's like Shabbos. It's got the holiness of Shabbos, so we're not driving and we're not we're not um, doing the laundry and we're not going to work. But it's also a day that we're not eating and a day that we're not wearing leather shoes. And we're kind of pushing ourselves to the next level of realizing, hey, we can actually do that for a day. We actually can manage without all the things that we think we need. And what that's supposed to do is supposed to give us this uh, clarity and this feeling of spirituality that we feel that we can actually focus on our souls instead of on our bodies for a day. Uh, but it's also really a mindset because you can choose to think about how hungry you are. You could choose to think about um, Yom Kippur and what it truly means. But the fact of the matter is, is that if you're fasting and if you're hungry, that connection is there. You're, you're there. You're doing it. You're doing what um, Hashem wants you to do on that day. You've shown up to the date, so to speak. So whatever it takes and watching Jews really struggle through understanding what this Yom Kippur thing means kind of showed me the beauty of um, what it really is. So to me, it's a day that you stop everything. I know in my life, if I didn't have Rosh Hashanah and I didn't have Yom Kippur, there'd be no taking account. There's no time. No one has time to sit and think about every little thing that goes on in life. Nobody has time to, to you know, stop and make a, a really like consecrated and really intentional time where you're completely focused on that. Even when you try to, there's distractions. There's always something pulling you down, something that you have to do, somebody that needs you, a bill that has to be paid, uh, you know, an arrangement that has to be made. And on Yom Kippur, that all stops. And you need to just focus on um, this whole idea of, of what it means to be connected to God, what it means to 
what your actions have done to build that connection or the opposite. And to me, it's like this really great gift because you get, no matter what is going on in life, you have this day that even if it means you're only able to fast, even if you, you know, have children that still need to be taken care of or a community, or even if it means that you don't, that, you know, you don't fast or you don't get to pray much, but you've shown up and you're showing that that connection is what's the most important to you. And not only that, but, you know, from that, from that starting point, if you're able to sit and think, it's a very constructive way to actually better your life because, you know, the Torah really does give us a framework and how to uh, think about what we've done, our actions and see where we want to improve in life. And Yom Kippur gives you this chance. It's like this, like, you know, this like diving board where you can stand up there in Yom Kippur and get ready for the rest of the year and jump into it feeling a little bit more prepared, a little bit more self-assured that you know which direction you're heading in. And to me, that's a really great gift. I love it. I love that analogy about that about diving in. It really gives you a fresh start. You're starting the new year off with a connection to God, a connection to Hashem, and you're really, you know, you're setting your intention for the new year, and you're you're literally diving right in, as you said. And I know that we were mentioning a little bit earlier about um, the Day of Atonement and about forgiveness, and you know, asking God for forgiveness and asking others for forgiveness. I want to touch for a minute about forgiveness of ourselves. A lot of people like we feel so guilty about things. Maybe we yelled at our kid and we feel bad about it. Maybe we um, did something wrong to a friend and we feel badly about it. A lot of us get caught up in ourselves and our own guilt. And sometimes the hardest person for us to forgive is ourselves. So I kind of want to get your thoughts about that. You know, thoughts or even strategies of how we can forgive ourselves. Okay. So I think every person struggles with this, particularly mothers and particularly people that just care about everybody around them. And a lot of the time you find yourself kind of drowning or swimming in circles in this kind of pool of guilt, going back to this <laughs> swimming pool um, in a different way. But, you know, there's so many things that happen in, in life and as you're just going through your day and it's so easy to be consumed with I guess the word could be guilt um, or like sometimes you're just not sure like did I take the right step in this direction should I have should I have dealt with this issue that way should I not have so sometimes you feel truly bad for something you've actually feel like you've done wrong and sometimes you feel unsure if you've done something wrong or right and you just feel the confusion makes you feel guilty. You could end up feeling bad about something you did, even if you're not sure if you did the right thing or not. And I think that we all go through, you know, in our day-to-day -day lives, just interacting with people, just having to make so many decisions every day that you don't have a lot of time to make some of these decisions, but they can be life-altering. And sometimes we do and really agonize over them. We still don't know if they're correct or not. Um, we sometimes feel really stuck in this kind of, um, circle of of guilt or you know putting ourselves down or feeling bad about things we've done and I definitely know that I'm no exception to this and um, it's not usually very very productive 
some of these emotions help us get further when they are in constructive you know when they're when you're in a constructive frame of mind and you know how to go further with these thoughts and sometimes they're really just paralyzing so i try to remember you know the words of tanya and where it talks about every jew having a having an animal soul and having a godly soul and try to remember that you know it's the animal soul that's making us make mistakes and it's part of life and hashem gave us this this um animal soul to help us get higher, to help us do teshuva, to help us make up for our mistakes and help us move forward. But the Tanya also talks about times where this feeling of um, guilt, or I would say guilt is always probably this feeling that is not a healthy feeling. It's a feeling of depression that doesn't get you anywhere. When it's truly constructive, that's going to you know get us moving forward and it's going to get us to a better place. And when you don't really feel like you want to do anything about it or you don't know what to do about it and you just feel bad, it's probably your animal soul's way of having a pity party and you're not getting anywhere. So I try to think to myself, is this productive? Is this feeling productive? Is it going to help me change something? Is there something I can do about it? Or is it just a feeling that's weighing me down, not letting me get on with my day? So if it is that, and if it's just something that's not going anywhere, I try to, this is my own personal um, way of working, but I try to kind of think what, where is this taking me? And if I feel like it's not taking me anywhere, I try to put a stop to it. Thank God life has enough distractions that you can kind of tell yourself, this is it. I'm not thinking about this anymore and get on with it. And if it does come back, then I need to think about it in a more constructive way. So I have to kind of, you know, you have to take the emotion out of it and kind of think, well, am I thinking about this because I have to do something about it? And if I have to do something about it, what can I do? So that's kind of, you know, going to rectify the the action or the situation. It's going to get you somewhere. But if it's not something that's going to get me anywhere, I try to understand that that feeling is not really a feeling that um, that is healthy and that I need to have. And it's not really a feeling that God wants me to walk around with every day. And I try to shed myself of that feeling however I can. And thank God life is busy enough that I probably can. And the best way I find to do it is by doing something positive, doing something good. So, you know, instead of moping around that I didn't do something right with my kids, I'd prefer to do something nice with my kids or apologize to them. Um, and nobody's perfect. So nobody's going to be perfect 100% of the time. And these feelings are healthy as long as they bring us to better good. So as soon as, you know, you feel that it's not bringing you to better good, then it's not, it's not a feeling that, um, it's going to be helpful in any which way. So I try to, you know, you try to get rid of that and try to move forward. I love that. And I love that it's it's all about about mindset. You know, if it's not going to get you anywhere, why stay stuck in that same mindset that's going to defeat you and bring you down? You know, because that that guilt is not going to get you anywhere if it's just bringing you down. But if it is something that you could do something about, then I like what you said about being productive and actually taking the action steps to do something about it, which is actually what we're going to be talking about right now. Because like you said, we all make so many mistakes in our lives. Everybody makes mistakes. Some mistakes are big, some mistakes are small, 
And, you know, we often feel badly if we hurt somebody or do something that we know is morally wrong. And some of us are eaten up by guilt all the time because of our mistakes. And it's interesting because I learned that guilt keeps you stuck in the same place. It paralyzes you with shame. And when somebody has a lot of guilt, they're not able to move forward with their lives. They really, really do stay stuck. And this is not productive. So, however, when somebody realizes that they did something wrong and they truly regret it, Judaism allows them to do teshuva. Teshuva is often translated as repentance, but actually a better translation of teshuva is return. And teshuva is the soul's capacity to return to its original state of purity and holiness. And as we go through life, we make mistakes and we do we do the wrong thing sometimes. It just happens. We're human, you know, and when we, we when we make mistakes, it's hard in us. We become tough on the outside, but our innermost soul, our innermost self remains pure and untouched. And teshuva is our God-given ability to reconnect with that pure and holy part of ourselves. So there are a few steps to the teshuva process, and I want to make sure that we are doing it right this year. So can you please walk us through the steps of teshuva and explain the significance of each step? So in other words, when we make a mistake and we don't want to feel, feel guilty about it, we want to be productive about it. We want to make amends. We want to, we want to return our souls to that holy and pure state. What can we do? How can we do teshuva properly? Okay, so the Torah actually gives us a very specific, therapeutic, and helpful guide to doing teshuva. It's very classic. You know, the first part of it is, we call it confession, saying what you did wrong, verbalizing it, articulating it, hearing the words. Often we don't realize, but we're thinking so much about these things. But when you actually say it, like, I did what actually happened becomes real in a way that maybe never was real before. And that leads us to a real true feeling of regret and, you know, pain for what we know we've done wrong. And that is the second step in doing Teshuva, feeling this sincere, true regret. And um, once we feel that regret, it takes us to the next step, which is commitment to making sure that it doesn't happen ever again. So I know, you know, you've heard kids if somebody said sorry and they say, no, you're not sorry because you did it again. Well, yes, the Torah sounds, make, it makes it sound like it's so simple. You know, you say the words out loud, you regret it and you make sure never to do it again. But that's the real, the last one is the real, real challenge because often we have to change our whole lives and our whole characters. We have to work on ourselves. 24-7 to make sure that we never make these mistakes again. And sometimes we can't commit to never doing something again, for example, talking in a way that's not nice, but we can commit to working on it our whole lives. And um, and the, uh, the next part of doing Teshuvah, which is always helpful, is giving extra, extra tzedakah, bringing extra beauty into this world. So if we want to feel true return, return to who we really are. Um, we need to fill our lives with things that highlight that part of ourselves. So when we're focused on things that um, Hashem would want us to do, then we always have this inner sincere feeling of regret for anything we do wrong, anything that's going to take us away from that connection and that um, feeling of closeness to Hashem, there's the very classic um, kind of image of a rope 
connecting a person to another person or a person to Hashem. And every action that we do is like a string in the rope. And everything that we do to break that relationship is like cutting a tiny string. So nobody, you know, the strings that create a strong rope, everybody wants them to be strong. Nobody wants to be cut. Nobody wants them. Nobody wants to feel far from this relationship that we're searching for and this relationship that we're working towards. So the more we work on coming closer by doing positive actions, by doing good things, the more we're going to feel that desire for that closeness and we're going to feel pain by anything that we do to, you know, deviate from that cause of closeness to Hashem and closeness to all the people that we're trying to form relationships with, you know, our, our loved ones and the people around us. And with that comes this sincere feeling of always wanting to do right. And every time we don't do right comes this feeling of wanting to improve and to work harder to make that relationship a stronger one. So, you know, this commitment to doing better in life is about always searching for these ways to become closer to Hashem, become closer to the people that we're, that we, that we love, the people that we work with and the people that we you know, the people that are in our community and our friends. And that desire for good is always going to highlight what's truly important in life and it's going to show us, it's going to kind of highlight all those times that are that need improvement. And it's going to help us bring us to this level of teshuva, which means return to our, you know, like our true state of being. So it's never going to be perfect. There's, there's no perfection in this world. It's just like a journey of, of of work of hard work, and I guess that's that's the that's the journey each of us was put on in this world. So that's what we're here for. That's beautiful. Exactly, it's a journey of hard work and overcoming our, our overcoming our challenges and really working through that. And you know, this makes me think of you know sometimes you come to Yom Kippur and then you you feel like you're at the same place that you were the last Yom Kippur you're struggling with the same things you have the same challenges you have the same problems and you almost feel hopeless like is there anything that you could say to to people who feel like they're still stuck in that same spot that they were last Yom Kippur and the year before and the year before still struggling with those same challenges yeah that's a really tough feeling and I think that anybody that's truly honest with themselves and truly sincere in their desire to improve is going to feel like that, you know, stuck in the mud. You know, I've been trying so hard. And sometimes that's our journey in life to keep trying in the same things. You know, God gave each person their strengths and their, you know, and you can call it a weakness, you can call it a challenge. You know, Hashem gave that to you because that's your mission in this world to work on that. So you feeling that, that desire to do better, you feeling that you haven't gotten to where you want to go. That's that's what Hashem wants from you. And he wants you to continue, I guess, putting, you know, continue in that direction, putting each foot, each foot, each, you know, every day putting one foot in front of the other, um, each step. And there's nothing glamorous in that. Everybody wants to say, you know, I was, I always did this and now I do that. And this is how to do it. But the reality of life is not that. The reality of life is waking up every morning and trying your best. And, um, and I think that, you know, sharing that honestly and being truly honest with ourselves and open with that idea is going to what is going to help us feel less frustrated um, and less quick to kind of stop trying, because that's, 
you know, everybody knows that there's certain things that they're going to have to try every day to overcome. And some days they'll be able to, some days they won't be able to. At the same time, their job is to just keep on working at that and keep on trying. And yeah, there's nothing fun about that, but that's, that's the beauty of it. We're doing something that's not fun for a higher cause. And that's exactly what I guess Hashem wants from us. Maybe one day we'll overcome it. That would be amazing, right? Oh, yeah. I wonder if anybody stands there in Yom Kippur and says, wow, I like, I'm a different person than last year. You know, I'm, <laughs> I'm like all done, you know? Um, I don't think, you know, I don't think any human being could, could feel like that unless they're being really, really dishonest with themselves. I think that that feeling is the true, that's the true beauty of Yom Kippur, the true beauty of a Jewish soul. We, we keep on searching, we keep on trying. I like that. I really like that. And what resonated with me is that, you know, those exact issues, this is one person may be struggling with, with a particular set of issues every single year. And another person may be struggling with a completely different set of issues, but whatever you're struggling with, whatever issues that in challenges that you really faced with, I think you're right. Like that's, those are the challenges that Hashem gave to us, that God gave to us to struggle with, to learn from, to grow from, like that's almost our purpose in life, you know, to, to perfect, not to perfect, but to improve, to improve in that particular area, because we really don't all struggle in the same area. Some people struggle in health, some people in finances, some people in relationships, we all have our own personal struggles and really in, in, in specific areas that are personal to us that may not be for everybody else. And I, I, I agree with you. Like that's kind of, it's, it's very personal to us what Hashem gave to us, what God gave to us, what, what we really need to work on. And the, and the fact that we have to work on those same issues every single year, that's how we know which issues we, were, we came here to overcome. So I think that's really, really important. Um, so I want to ask you one more question. Um, there is one really interesting aspect of Yom Kippur that, that I would like to talk about. It's actually the connection between Yom Kippur and Purim. So at first glance, it may seem like these two holidays have nothing in common. On Yom Kippur, you are serious and you fast. And on Purim, you're festive, you're happy, you eat and you drink to your heart's content. But if you look beyond the surface, there's actually a very strong connection between Purim and Yom Kippur. Can you please tell us about the connection between these two holidays? Okay, so we call, you know, Yom Kippur is Yom Hakipurim, which means, you know, the day like Purim. And Purim is just called Purim, right? So it's almost as if, you know, you're saying that um, you know, Yom Kippur is great. That's really holy and all that. It's almost like Purim. So if you think about what we do on Purim, what do we do on Purim? We dress up, we celebrate, we, you know, we give gifts to the poor, we give gifts of food. It's really a very hedonist, like hedonistic, sorry, like physical, enjoyable holiday. You know, we're really focusing on good food, good times, good drinks, you know, really enjoying ourselves. And think about Yom Kippur, it's the complete opposite. We're trying to forget about anything physical that brings us any enjoyment in life and kind of cut our ties with it and try to be like the angels. Um, we wear white to remind us of both the angels and both our mortality, you know, like you no know, shrouds are white. We don't wear leather shoes, so we don't feel too comfortable. We don't eat or drink the whole day. We're praying the whole day. We're not doing anything physical. We're not dancing. We are trying to achieve this closeness with God in a way of removing all the physicality from our lives. 
to feel the spirituality. But if we think about why is it like Purim? Why is why are we trying to get Yom Kippur on this level of Purim? Because God created this world in a way that He wants us to make our physical surroundings holy. He wants us to be able to take good food and good drink and use it in the proper way where we can both enjoy it and in doing that, make it holy. So Purim is all about taking the physical and making it spiritual. And Yom Kippur is the starting point where we can truly recognize our, our relationship with Hashem. We can truly recognize our purpose in this world. As we said, it's like the diving board to get to this. What, what's the finish line? The finish line is Purim. When we're taking everything in this world, we're taking all the gifts that God gave us, all the physical gifts of everything material, you know, all money and food and clothing and everything around us that's physical and use it for spiritual good. But we need a day, you know, we're still at this level that we need a day like Yom Kippur to start us off, to really highlight where we're heading and what we're trying to do and work on our relationship with God. One day, Yom Kippur will not be a day of turning away from physicality. You know, when Mashiach comes, we're going to recognize all these things immediately. So Yom Kippur might look different. But for now, we need um, we need this day of Yom Kippur to be like Purim so that we, when we arrive at Purim, when we can actually use all of this uh, physicality and turn it into something spiritual, which is what we're supposed to do on Purim. That's the true meaning of Purim. We're supposed to be using all of this, but using it all for the sake of Hashem and in a way that, you know, brings closeness between us and Hashem. Then we're at this point where it's an even higher spiritual level because we don't need to run away from it, but we can use it out. And because Hashem created the world with this purpose of turning the physical material world into spirituality, the level of Purim is even higher than the level of Yom Kippur. So we're, that's really our goal to work, you know, to work towards this ability to use everything in this world for, for Hashem. Right. Wow. Yeah. To elevate the physical and make it spiritual. And that's much harder than it sounds. It really, really does take work. It really, really does. Yeah, it does. Intention, a lot of intention, right? Exactly. A lot of intention, a lot of focus in that proper mindset. Wow. Amazing. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much, Robinson Bryony, for taking the time to join us on America's Top Robinsons. We really, really enjoyed having you here. And we hope that all the learning we did today will be for Fushalema, for Eliezer Raphael Lebedamuna, for Hayabad Esther, and also for Avraham Ben Haya Udell. Thank you so, so much. Thank you. Um, have a wonderful Tishrei. Thank you. And you too.